Producing these videos take a lot of time and they take resources too, guys. All the, the computers, the cameras, the blah, 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 blah. They take resources. So if God touches your mind and your heart, bless this ministry. If it helps you, if these teachings help you, bless the ministry. Send a donation or even become a monthly partner with me so that I can continue to do these things. I don't do it. I don't do it to make money, God forbid. But I do it that the ministry may be supported and that I might continuously with joy, because it does give my heart joy, to continuously bring these lessons to you for your benefit, for your spiritual enrichment. Okay? So help me out. All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Exodus. Now, the last time we were here in chapter 21, we were dealing with the first part of chapter 21 in dealing with slavery. That is slavery as it pertains to Hebrew slaves. And you kind of need to keep that in mind because there will be a distinction later on in the law that we'll see that makes there is a distinction between Hebrew slaves and slaves of the Gentiles that the Hebrews, that the Jews may take for themselves. But nevertheless, what we were dealing with in the first part of chapter 21 was Hebrew slaves, whether male or female Hebrew slaves. And we saw that there was a distinction between male and, male and female Hebrew slaves in that the male slaves were basically treated as indentured servants. That is, they would be released after six years, after six years of time, that is in the seventh year, he should be set free by his master. But the female slaves were treated somewhat differently under the law in that usually the female slave would be taken as a second wife uh, for the master, for the slave buyer, for the master. And so she would be serving as a concubine unto the master. And so she could not simply go free in the seventh year because of the principles of marriage that pertain to the woman. But nevertheless, she could be redeemed, that is, purchased with a price uh, uh, if her master found her displeasing in his sight. And if the master bought her as a wife for his son, then she should be treated as a daughter. Okay. Now, in the next section of chapter 21, we begin to deal with penalties for the things to the which the death penalty should be applied. And so we saw such things as a person who kills another human being, a person who, um, and that is willful, intentional murder. And then we saw disrespect for parents in this, in this issue as well that would deserve the death penalty. And then as we began to move on, right before we closed out the last video, we, were, we, we got into the section that dealt with liabilities. That is personal liabilities for the act. And this section will cover personal liabilities for um, an owner, an owner of animals. And we'll see this in particular about oxen, owners of animals and for the personal actions of an owner regards to the personal liabilities. Okay. So now the last time we were here, we left off in verse number 21, I believe. 
Okay, so now we're going to continue in Exodus 21 with verse number 22. And hopefully, and I know, we'll be able to complete the chapter. Verse 22. If men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him, and he shall pay as the judges decide. But if there is any further injury, then you shall appoint as a penalty life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Okay, now here there is a scenario that is set forth and you see two men struggling with each other and one of those men strike a pregnant woman, okay, the wife of the man that he is struggling with. So if there is no, and the woman, the idea is, the woman gives birth and it seems that the woman is giving birth prematurely, but she gives birth prematurely and the baby is, as far as they can tell, the baby is fine and there has been no injury. Then if, if the baby is fine and there is no injury, he, uh, uh, there will be a fine that would be placed upon the man because of the sufferings to the wife and the premature birth. And the husband would determine how much the fine would be to the man along with the agreeance of the judges. So it would be both the husband and the judges who determine the financial penalty that should be assessed to the man that caused the woman to give premature birth. And that is in the event there is no harm to the woman and to the child. Namely, the idea is to the child. However, if there is harm to the child, and that is if in whatever harm that should be, here there will be a penalty imposed to the man in accordance to the harm that was done to the child. Now, this is what we call, this is what it's called Lex Talionis. And Lex Talionis basically is a punishment of degrees commensurate with the crime. In other words, they're simply saying, and that's why we see that, okay, that's why we see here, notice what it says, life for life. The idea is if the woman gives birth, the child dies because of that injury of being struck, that man struck, then life for life. That means that man should suffer the death penalty for causing the death of that uh, unborn baby or that baby that is born and dies because of the injuries. And then it says tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn. Okay, so notice all these things literally mean is, Lex Talionis is, this is a limiting punishment on the individual so that whatever was suffered, the punishment will be equal with what was suffered so that no individual will suffer a punishment simply based upon emotion, aggravation, or vengeance of the ones who suffered uh, whatever the harm that was given. So you cannot per se say, for instance, in this, let's just simply use this scenario. 
if the child was injured and was born, and let's just say, for instance, and something was wrong with the child's leg or his eye, eye for eye, that means the man who caused the penalty, the, the, the father and the mother could not be angry because of the damage done to their child and say, well, he caused my child to lose his eye and he caused my child to lose his leg. He should die for this. That's the, that's the very principle of this command. Let's tally on this. The principle is when judgment is rendered for a crime or anything in pertaining to that a harm due, you cannot go beyond what was suffered by the individual. So if you lost an eye, you can only take the eye of the person who took your eye. If you lost your foot, you can only take the foot of the individual who caused the loss of the foot. Okay. So what Lex Talionis, and you've heard some people call it the law of revenge. It is not the law of revenge. It limits, it puts a limit on what the person who caused the injury should suffer in that the injury suffered should not, should be same or equally inflicted upon the person who caused it and no more. And this is the principle of this law. And you'll see this principle being stated throughout. Okay. But let me make also another observation. Notice the idea here is a man striking a woman who is pregnant and something happens to that baby. So what can we see in the law? Notice even now, as I'm speaking, it's the month of July and year 2022. And this is the big time issue of Roe versus Wade abortion to the point where we see those who are pro abortionists like to pretty much say that the baby is not so much a baby and the life of that growing thing inside is not valued in the same sense as human life. That is those who are born like us, but notice the mindset of God. If that unborn child has been affected in any way. And when that baby comes out and that is premature birth, but the idea is nevertheless, the baby comes out and is affected. There should be punishment. So what am I saying? Notice in the old Testament, there is value for the unborn child. So the principle or the belief system in abortion is not held by the old Testament in the old Testament. It sees that unborn child as a child, not a fetus, not something, but a human life. And that's a principle that we can see here. Why? Because judgment is demanded if anything has happened to that baby. Okay. All right. Enough of that. So let's continue. Let's move on through the text. Verse 26. If a man strikes the eye of his male or female slave and destroys it, he shall let him go free on account of his eye. And if he knocks out a tooth of his male or female slave, he shall let him go free on account of his tooth. Okay. So now we see, uh, I don't want to say violence, but hurtful hurtfulness because of uh, maybe some act of discipline 
or some act of violence by a master to the slave. Whether the slave is male or female, it doesn't matter if the act is done to the male or female slave. Notice what it says. He strikes, he causes him to lose the eye or the tooth. Now, a tooth is important, but notice now what you need to see. Eye, very important, very important because you don't want to lose the eye. But the tooth, well, it's important, but it's not quite as important. We can live without another tooth. We can live without another eye, but it still is more problematic. But a tooth, you know, is not that big of a deal. But what we see here is this. God's demand for the righteous, just treatment of slaves. Now go back and look at the previous verse that I did in 21 at the beginning concerning the treatment of slaves. The mindset of God is never this Western, what developed in Western society in the treatment of slaves or as it was the treatment of Negro slaves by the South um, in ancient, in, in colonial America. So it was never this a harsh treatment of whipping and kunta kente foolishness that God desired for the treatment of slaves. He always wanted the slaves to be treated with kindness and with mercy, even though there would be times that the slave would need to be disciplined by the master. But such discipline should always be guarded in such a way as to not cause any permanent injury to the slave. And that's what we see. The loss of the eye, loss of the tooth, permanent injury. But even more so here with the loss of the tooth, you really don't want to hurt the slave. You see what I'm trying to say? So the eye is and once again. The demand, the demand for judgment is you set that slave free. So what? Don't mistreat your slaves. Okay, and that's the principle that we see operating here. Verse 28. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall surely be stoned and his flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall go unpunished if, however, an ox was previously in the habit of goring and goring and this owner has been warned, yet he does not confine it and it kills a man or woman. The ox shall be stoned and this owner shall be put to death. If a ransom is demanded of him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life. Whatever is demanded of him, whether it goes a son or a daughter, it shall be done to him according to the same rule. If the ox goes a male or female slave, the owner shall give his or her master 30 piece, 30 shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned. OK, now we are in the issue here of again of personal liability but with respect to property, that is the animals, the animals that a man should own here in this particular case, an ox. And the idea, when I say even in particular case, this consideration should be understood as can be principally applied to a man who owns an animal and that animal injures someone else. So here, 
the animal here is the ox and the ox injures whether it's a man or a woman. And when it says a man or a woman, because we're going to see a distinction made uh, later on, a man or a woman, a free man or a woman or a child, whether the child be a son or a daughter. So whether it's male or female, a free woman, that's a grown individual or a child, whether the child is male or a female, the distinction of the sex, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. If they're free, free Hebrew people, and then there shall be the death. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. First, if the owner has been, this just happens on this is like a, a by chance incident. It's just an incident that's happened. The owner did not have any knowledge of the beast being aggressive towards people. There was no knowledge. He knew that the, he didn't know anything that the beast would attack people. He didn't know anything about that. Then the law demands that the animal should be put to death. Notice what it says. Go back to verse number 28. The animal shall be stoned, put to death, and the, and there is the animal cannot be eaten. There should be no enjoyment of this animal. No, the end of the productiveness of this animal should come to an end. No, you can't use it to work anymore. You cannot eat the animal once you are commanded to stone the animal to death. No productiveness, no enjoyment from the animal, but nevertheless, because the owner had no idea that the, his beast would attack another human being, don't punish him because he had no idea he would do this thing. Now, here's the secondary case. But if it has been told the owner before, and we would like, allow me to say it this way, man, you need to do something about that ox. That ox, that ox came at me today. He tried to, he tried to gore me today and, or somebody. So the idea is the owner has been made aware that his animal is vicious and attacks people. But even though being made aware of this about his animal, the ox, the owner still just let him roam free, roam about free and does not do anything to restrain the animal. And that animal who has been doing all of this goes about on a date and kills a man or a woman or kills a young child boy or a girl. If that animal ends up killing a person after the owner knew about his vicious attitude towards people, then you kill the animal and you put the owner to death. In other words, the owner is made liable for the killing of a human being by his animal. So we, so again, the issue of liability, if you knew this was the case and your animal went out and killed somebody, we're going to kill the animal and for punishment, we're going to execute you because we are holding you, the owner, equally responsible for what that animal has done. So that's the principle of it.
Now, in addition to if the ox goes and kills a male or female slave, it makes no difference whether male or female. We can see a distinction made because notice the killing of the man and the woman or the son or the daughter. This pertained to free Hebrews. But if the ox should kill a slave, whether man or woman, because slaves here are seen differently in the sense of value, a productive value. The slave is owned and has been purchased by the master for a particular reason. And the reason is some sense of returning something to the master or product productivity or labor to the master. Okay. And so the slave is not seen in the same way as the free Hebrew would be seen. So therefore, if the owner, if the ox kills a uh, male or female slave, uh, it's seen in a different sense. Even if the ox has had this, uh, 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 the, the, the notion of the ox going about being aggressive, even if that is still the case, but he killed a slave and not a free person, then the owner of the ox will be assessed only a fine. You don't kill the owner this time, but you only find the owner. Okay. And the assessment of the fine will be 30 shekels of silver, which indicates the value, the value or the normal normative purchase price of a slave. So the value of a slave in the productivity that the slave should render or the purchase price of assumption that we're having here should be paid, should be assessed to the owner of the ox. And of course, what the ox should be put to death still. Why? Because the ox still, there is still value, even though, even though it is a slave that has been killed, the slave life, the slave is still a human being. So therefore you put this aggressive animal to death. And also what we can see by virtue of common sense, you put the animal to death because you don't want the animal to kill anybody else. So that that's like common sense as well. All right, let's go on. Verse number 33. If a man opens a pit or digs a pit and does not cover it and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restitution. He shall give money to his owner and the dead animal shall become his. Okay. Now we're dealing with personal liability for individual actions, individual actions, your liability. Okay. Now, so it simply says a man goes out and digs a hole for whatever reason he may dig a hole and Another man's animal, you know, say for instance, a donkey or an ox walking by and falls into the pit and dies. Then it is the responsibility of the man who dug the pit to pay the owner of the animal what that animal was worth, what that animal was worth. So you pay him the value of that animal that got killed. And therefore, because the animal got killed in the pit that this man dug and did not cover, the dead animal now belongs to the man who dug the pit. Okay, 
Now, let me just deal with a couple of principles since I'm here and it's in my mind. We can see all of these things concerning the neighbor and liability in coming from uh, loving your neighbor. When you love your neighbor, you don't do things that will hurt your neighbor. You try to do things that protect your neighbor, your neighbor, his person, as well as his property. So we can see these covenantal commands coming as a derivative of that principle. And I talked about that earlier when I dealt with Exodus chapter 20 in dealing with the law, the 10 words, the 10 commandments, how in principle form you can see them as what? A division, love the Lord, and the second part, love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what Jesus said concerning the law, all 613 commandments of the law of Moses. They can be equally divided, loving the Lord, that which pertains to our service, our worship to God, and love the neighbor, that which pertains to loving the neighbor, protecting the neighbor, being concerned for the neighbor, even the things that the neighbor owns. And you'll see even later the boundary, the neighbor's property and so on and so on and so on. OK, but anyway. All right. Let me make sure that I dealt with this sufficiently. OK, I believe I did about looking after the neighbor and being personally responsible for the things that you do. If what you do causes harm, you will be assessed a penalty. OK. All right. Final part, if one man's ox hurts another's so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide its price equally. And also they shall divide the dead ox. Or if it is known that the ox was previously in the habit of goring, yet its owner has not confined it, he shall surely pay ox for ox and the dead animal shall become his. Okay, now let me take my time and explain in this one. This, this is beautiful as well. So in the sense of personal liability concerning property, and that's the idea because an ox is considered to be property. So in the first case, if a man ox kills another ox, and you can see this because sometimes animals can fight. So an ox is fighting with another ox and kills that particular ox. The first case deals with the, this ox that the ox that did the killing has no reputation and this reputation of the reputation of being an aggressive animal and this reputation of aggressiveness was never told, never told to the owner of that ox. So he has no idea his ox would act this way. So in a perchance event, two men's oxen fight with one another and one kills the other. The law demands here what? That the live ox, the man's ox who did the killing, the one who remained alive, that ox should be sold and the monies should be equally divided between the two owners. And concerning the dead ox, 
because you can always take an oxen for food once it has no productivity. You get productivity from the ox when he's alive, when the ox can work. But when the oxen is dead, he can still be eaten for food. So you divide equally the dead oxen and split him to the one, uh, the man whose oxen did the goring and the man who lost his oxen because of the goring. So we see equality. So notice here, there is no particular benefit. That's what you need to see here. There is no benefit, no benefit to the man's ox who did the goring because what? He lost his ox. He lost the productivity of a good working animal. He lost it. But nevertheless, even though he lost that oxen, there was money that was received through the sale. But the only he only received half of it. Why? Because there is a sense of responsibility. Your oxen did the killing and the man who suffered the loss because it was an accident. It was what? And, and I'm saying it this way. This oxen of the man had no reputation and the owner didn't know his oxen loved to do this type of stuff. So an accident that his oxen did this when they engaged in this fight and his oxen was killed. He received for compensation. Still, he has a right of compensation. But notice he only receives what? Half the compensation. Why? Because the other man's oxen, this no, he had no reputation of it. And his oxen that got killed, it was split. It was split. He couldn't get his oxen back completely in totality and get all of it. And he enjoyed all of the meat that came from that oxen, but he only got half and the other half. So notice half and half in the sale, half and half in the dead oxen. So there would be basically a zero sum gain, no profit or benefit and, and because of this incident. But however, on the other case, if the man's oxen who did the killing had a reputation for killing uh, and for goring, as the text would say, and he killed this other man's oxen, then what? And, and he yet refused to confine it. Then there is a penalty due to the owner of the goring ox. And notice what the penalty will be. The value of that man's ox, the value of that man's ox. In other words, ox, for ox. So whatever the value of that ox that got killed would be, that value should be assessed to the man who whose ox did the killing and the full value. Notice what I said now. The full value of that monies should be given to the man who owned the dead oxen. But nevertheless, in in some sense, the, uh, uh, I don't want to say restitution or benefit, but nevertheless, the dead oxen now becomes that man's ox. All right, guys, what can we say? And even as we continue, let me say this, as we continue to move through the law concerning these things and these particular actions that are to be taken that govern the lives of the Israeli people, Always look on our side, even though the law, we are no longer under the law, 
But nevertheless, as I move through these teachings and I'll try to highlight it at certain times. But what we are to understand is this. The principles of the law. What is God's perfect law? Because the law is perfect. Okay, but what is his perfect law? trying to teach us in principle form how we are to conduct and regard our brothers and sisters or others around us, whether they saved or not, how we are to regard other people, how we are to look to other people, how we are to look as far as I look at our own personal liabilities. Say, for instance, let me give you an example of our day, what we now call leash laws. Leash laws. And the idea is when we have an animal, a dog or whatever, our dog is out in public. We, as the owner of that dog, need to keep that animal restrained while the animal is in public. Lest that animal, our dog, go and bite somebody or even destroy somebody else's property. You see it now? So these are the principles that can be set forth under the law of Moses that we can see or even apply to ourselves today, even though we are not under the law. So what am I trying to say? Even as we work through the law and teach the law, what we need to do for ourselves is always look at the principle of what God is trying to say and understand how the principle of these things even apply to us today. Why? Because it is derived from the sense of loving your neighbor and loving our neighbor is commanded in the New Testament, whether loving a brother or sister or even loving an enemy. Romans as taught by Paul. All right, guys, thanks for joining me on that. Join me next time as we continue in our teaching in chapter 22 in the law as Moses continues even in speaking concerning property rights. See you then.